church family. Uh, we are in Acts chapter 3, verse 11 to verse 26 day, today. Um, just a way to kind of keep you guys up to speed where we're at right now. Uh, the last episode, we talked about how uh, Peter and John were out in, um, in the temple uh, and near the gate of the temple called Beautiful. And in that particular temple, they went and met a, and, they bumped and encountered a lame beggar. He was someone that was uh, unable to walk since birth, and he was someone that didn't have any hope. And uh, because of that, he was really begging people to pay him money. And uh, Peter and John told him that they didn't have money to give him, but the only thing they were able to offer him was something that it was priceless and they can't and it can't even be quantifiable, which is another chance at life. Uh, this beggar was probably around 40 years old, and even at 40 years old, he was able to start a new life because um, the apostles here gave him a command, which is the, uh, in the name of Jesus Christ, for him to walk. Uh, immediately he got up, and he was celebrating and praising the Lord. And now this man uh, that was hopeless for the longest time is now given hope. He's given a second uh, chance at life. And, and I said how this is really a graphic uh, picture of what um, salvation is like. Uh, salvation, no matter how old or how young you are, the moment you place your faith in Christ, you have a new life. You are a new creature, and you can now, uh, you're, you're all, we were all once dead in our sin, now we can walk with the Lord. Now we're here in chapter 3, verse 11 to the end of this chapter is really what happens after. As we go over this, um, I think we can draw some principles when it comes to evangelism. Because when we think of evangelism, I think oftentimes we don't really know how to go about it. And in, and in every sense, evangelism, uh, depending on who you talk to, you're really operating off of principles. And I, th I find that the best use of evangelism is more dialogue or asking questions. But at some point, you're going to have to hit on certain points. And um, if you've taken our evangelism class, I've, I've always highlighted four things that you need to, uh, to think about, or at least to convey. Uh, and it doesn't have to be in any particular order, but just something that you need to be mindful of when you share the gospel. The four things, is the, the four things are, the, are these. First, they need to understand who God is. Second, they need to understand who man is. Third, they need to understand what man has done. And fourth, what they need to understand what God has done. And we see all four of these play out in different ways in this particular portion. So let's dive right into the text. Verse 11 of chapter 3. While he was clinging to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them at the so-called portico of Solomon, full of amazement. Again, this is after the, the lame man was walking. They're trying to understand what's going on here. Verse 4, but when Peter saw this, he replied to the people, Men of Israel, why are you amazed at this? Or why do you gaze at us as if our own power or piety we made him walk? Now, this is really fascinating here because Peter now, it's you can tell that he's matured a lot. He's not pointing at his own abilities. He's not even trying to get glory for himself. And many people saw this event and was completely moved by it. They wanted to know what this all means. And, and Peter here is saying that, look, it has nothing to do with our godliness. It has nothing to do with our ability. It has nothing to do with us. Uh, and that's a really interesting principle for us to understand when we do evangelism, that whenever someone understands the gospel, it has nothing to do with, 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 uh, with our abilities, with our persuasions, or anything like that. Uh, it's, the, it's the Lord that works through us 
in the life of the person we're talking to and that's why they have new life and that's the same thing here uh john and peter they were just used by the lord to heal this lame beggar it wasn't like they were inherently uh have some sort of supernatural gift but rather there's the holy spirit dwelling in them that they was able to do that and, the whole, and obviously jesus was the one who uh, worked in this lame person's life so that he can walk again uh and again the, those who are saved are radically different and they they're changed uh, drastically verse 13 the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the God of our Father has glorified his servant, Jesus, the one whom you delivered and disowned in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you disown the holy and righteous one and ask for a murder to be granted to you, but put to death the prince of life, the one who God had raised from the dead, a fact in the, to which we are witnesses. So here you can see, even in this little portion, he talks about who God is, which is he's the holy and righteous one, that, they, that they're the one who rejected, and that's sin. And then uh, what they've done uh, is that they delivered him over uh, to be killed. And it says here, they, they disowned, they disowned. So there's this, um, what Peter and John are trying to get at with them is that they were responsible for this. They are responsible for what they have done. Uh, how they've offended the Lord, how they delivered him over, how they chose a murder over the author of life. Well, you see the strange paradox. And I think it's funny because then these people here were in that crowd. Remember the, in, in the Gospels when Jesus was standing next to Barabbas and they're saying, crucify him, crucify him. These were the same people there crying out that Pilate crucified Jesus, and that if you choose uh, Jesus, that you're no friend of Caesar. So it was this you know, mock trial that was trying to get, uh, use political means to, uh, to get uh, Jesus to be crucified because they uh, didn't want to have anything to do with the Messiah. And it even says that he rose from the grave and they're all witnesses to this. Um, so again, there's this sense in which he's pointing at the work of Jesus Christ and who he is. And he, and he continues the work of, 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 in this gospel message here. Verse 16, on the basis of faith in his name, it is the name of Jesus which has strengthened the man whom you see and know. And the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect health in the presence of you all. So it's important here to also understand here's that man's responsibility that the reason why he was saved is that he had faith. Um, there is a sense when you're calling people to repentance that they need to understand the urgency of their sin and the only way for them to be made right is uh, with God. It has nothing to do with what they are able to do, but it's only faith in the one who's able to save. And then he, he continues on. And now, brethren, I know that you acted in ignorance just as your rulers did also. But the things which God has announced before by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. So he's, you know, Peter and John understand their audience and they're trying, and they're trying to make them realize that they did not, they're not, um, they're, the, what they've done, they don't really understand that they were part of God's divine plan, but they also understand that this was all written in Scripture, that these were the things that was fulfilled. So this means that someone can understand, script, have like an intellectual knowledge of Scripture without actually understanding how that impacts their own life, which is so much of what our world is today. They can kind of recite Scripture, even non-believers can recite Scripture or understand what Scripture is, but they don't see how that's relevant to themselves. And that's what Peter and John do. They're trying, he's, they're trying to make that connection, saying, no, you are the one uh, that rejected Christ, and that was all part of God's divine plan, but you're still responsible for those things. And, even, and, and they're also responsible for what they know, and they know that this is all part of 
scripture and these are jewish people that spent their whole life studying and learning about god's word and they don't they can't they couldn't make that connection that the messiah that the old testament talked about is the same one that they killed verse 19 therefore re repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that the time of refreshing may come from the presence of the lord and that he may send jesus the Christ appointed for you, whom heaven must receive until the period of the restoration of all things, by which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from the ancient time. So this whole section here is a demand for them to repent because they know what is going to happen. They know about uh, that this life, this world is going to end. They know that Christ is going to, uh, there's going to be the Messiah that rules and everything's going to be undone and then fixed again there's going to be a new heaven and new earth they understand that conceptually and theologically but they don't fully understand how to apply that in their own life and what they need to do in response to that and they're in peter and john telling them this is what you've already know from the your old testament scriptures and this is he makes a reference here um, from deuteronomy 18 and verse 22 the lord god will raise you raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren uh, to him you shall give heed to everything he says to you and it will be that very soul that does not heed that prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people so this is a really a warning passage here you know 1815 is you know god is giving instruction or moses is giving this instruction that there's going to be someone better than moses that's going to come and they're supposed to look for that and so again they understood this at least the jews in the past did and they might have even recited this as a child but they don't realize how it's actually being fulfilled in their life at this present time and just understand we are in a day and age where we although we live in an informational age there's a lot of seemingly uh people that are ignorant of scripture um, they may have some vague idea of what the bible is about but they're still held accountable to what they know i mean this is the christian culture that's kind of corroding but there's still enough in in our culture that they know what they're talking about they understand what you're saying um, but our job as christians is try to make that connection into their life that they are the people and when jesus said that they're dying for sins like all of us have committed sin you want to try to make that connection as you evangelize the people in your life um verse 24 and likewise all the prophets who have spoken from samuel and his successor onward also announced these things uh, it is you who are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant which god made with your father saying abraham and in your seed all the fames of earth shall be blessed for you first god raised up his servant and, and sent him to bless you by turning every one of you from your wicked ways so this whole thing that Peter's trying to get at, he's trying to use scripture to tell the Jews that they know what they need to do. They may not fully understand, there might be some sort of mental gap, but Peter and John are trying to help bridge that gap to make them see that the message is actually easily accessible, accessible to them, yet they still rejected him. The God that they rejected for so many years, um, or so many times in the past uh it's given them again another opportunity to repent remember even the time when jesus was around he was doing all of these miraculous things and they were like who are you who are you and jesus said i am the messiah and kept telling them over and over again and he's like forgiving sins that people got mad and mad and the jews just did not understand and now they're seeing this again this just another means of grace this through the apostles that they see all these supernatural works being done and yet they're still hard-hearted now, even though they have easy access to scripture and they have understanding, they still rejected it. And that should be some sort of comfort for us when we evangelize. 
Again, we understand that because we live in a culture that's slowly becoming less and less Christian, more and more secular, they're still held accountable to it because the Bible tells us that the law is written in their hearts and our job is not to convince them that, you know, we can't make anyone a Christian, but we can only prick at their conscience that the Lord has given them using the word of God. We want to lovingly speak the truth to them and hope that they can see that they need a savior. Even though, they have, again, all of us in the digital age we have e easy access to scripture, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they understand the, uh, what that means in their own life. That means like, and that's sometimes sadly even in church, there's biblically illiterate people, right? They, they know vaguely what the Bible has to say, but they can't see how that affects them. And our job really is plead with them as lovingly as we can, uh, both with a sense of urgency and grace, much like what Peter and John is doing. He was trying, they were trying to convince these Jewish people, which is their brethren, that they need to understand where they are currently standing with the Lord and that God is giving them time after time. He's shown the miracles when he was doing his ministry. They're seeing all this with the apostles, and yet they're still at the stage in their life where they have not accepted Christ as their Savior. So then when we look back at the four points I mentioned, who God is, who man is, what Christ has done, and what uh, Christ and what man needs to do. We see that in all four of these, right? Like they explain who God was. He was holy and righteous. So they explain who he is. He's the son of God. He came and he died. And uh, what man is that they've sinned. They've rejected him. Uh, some out of ignorance, others out of deliberate, uh, knowing that he was uh, that he's the Messiah, still chose to reject him. Uh, and then they... Uh, he, the apostles explained uh, what Christ did, which is they died on the cross for them. And this is all the fulfillment of what scripture has to say. And then the response, what the, uh, what the man, what man needs to be, do is to repent, is to turn from their wicked ways. And that's what we do when we share the gospel. Those are just four general principles in terms of how we evangelize the people. And how, and again, just, just, by, just by wisdom here, you understand that when we evangelize, is not a script. Um, this is just a template, and sometimes when you talk to people, they may already be broken over the sin, and you want to show them God's grace. And other times, people might be uh, ignorant or uh, prideful of their own of, of their own sin, and you want to sh or, you know of their righteousness, really their self righteousness, and you want to show them from Scripture why why they are not a good person, or they might uh, have a low view of God, high view of man. You want to show them uh, how how man is actually very evil, and how God is really good. Again, this is not to say that uh, this is some sort of formula, but these are just general guidelines that you need when you're sharing the gospel with people. Um, and I hope that if, uh, as you listen to this, that the Lord is uh, pricking your heart to find someone in your life that you would share the gospel with. And I trust that as you continue being faithful, at least sharing the gospel and the, with, with those four principles in mind, it's kind of like guardrails of what you need to at least touch on. Uh, I trust that the Lord will, will use you in a very unique way to be a um, gospel testimony and a messenger of God's word in their life. I hope that this is helpful in your, in your study of, through the book of Acts. Uh, pray that Lord will use this um, for his own purposes. Thanks for listening. Take care and have a great day.